and joining me right now here on the Mark Moses Show to go over the latest on college football and college hoops. This guy does a great job with his show on 1620 The Zone there in Omaha, Nebraska. He is Jimmy Allen. Jimmy, how you doing today? Great, buddy. It's always good to catch up with you. Thanks for the phone call. I got a text from you the other day where you said, okay, Creighton basketball, they beat the number one team in the country, and it was a big deal. Is it, though, uh, this year? It, is it? Come on, man. It is for several, for several reasons. A, it was the first time in school history Creighton has gotten a win over the number one ranked team in the country, and uh, it makes the state of Nebraska undefeated against uh, the number one team because Purdue came into Pinnacle Bank in Lincoln and uh, got boat raced out the door as well. So you get the number one ranking next to your name. You don't want to step foot in the 402. I say this, and I respect your answer, and I agree with you, but then there's another part of me where it's like, every night of the week, a ranked team is getting beat. Is that fair to say? It is, and parity in college basketball, I think, is at an all-time high right now, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. And not only did Creighton beat the number one team in the country, they beat the defending national champions as well. So it's not like this is Purdue and uh, – Stone shoes, Zach Eady. You had a really good UConn team, and they really just dominated start to finish. And obviously, Coach Greg McDermott is one of the top five, six coaches in the country. He punches win number six hundred uh, on, on Tuesday night as well. How good is UConn, though? I think they're the best team. I think they're the most complete team. When you talk about uh, Alex Caravan and those guards and the way they're able to not only offensively shoot the basketball, but really get guys off their spots defensively, and then obviously the big fellow in the middle, Donovan Klingon, uh, I think is probably the second or third most athletic big man in the country. And they're just, they just they go about eight or nine deep. And that was like, take away the win for Creighton. I, like The win doesn't matter because how they won was the most impressive point. They, they, uh, they, they held Alex Caravan to seven points. They held Cam to five points. Donovan Klingon was in foul trouble the majority of the game. And, and I really feel like Ryan Kalkbrenner, the Creighton's big center in the middle, really outplayed Donovan Klingon, and that doesn't happen very often. If you were a betting man, would you take UConn or the field in the tournament? Oh, the answer is always the field. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, don't care. I don't care if the Lakers get put <laughs> into the equation. I'm taking the field. Uh, I, I just think there's too many, too many narratives, too many, too many different things that can change, too many dynamics when we talk about the NCAA basketball tournament, that it's just so uncontrollable. It doesn't matter if you're the most talented or the most deep team. Weird things happen. Matchups uh, can come out of nowhere that you weren't expecting, and it's just a, a bad situation. All right, here's my take. I will take UConn over the field for the standpoint of what you said. They're the defending champions. They're loaded again. And and look, dude, I love the Cinderella. I love the the underdog. And I went I went to Western Illinois. I know I an underdog school. And like I covered Creighton. I know. But when it comes down to the championship game, it's a superpower that always wins. I want the Cinderella to win, but it, I just haven't seen it in my lifetime. Am I okay if I feel that way? I think you are. And, and you mentioned Creighton and the Cinderella story. And, and yeah, when you were here. It was the Missouri Valley Conference team, and you had Dana Altman running wild, and, and Greg McDermott just taking over. But we're, in a, we're we live in a world where if Creighton wins out and has a good showing at the Big East tournament, not only could they be a two seed, they could possibly grab the number four one seed too. So uh, they're not exactly going to be a Cinderella story. And, and when we talk about a, a, an incredible amount of talent, you got a seven foot one rim protector, 
and Ryan Kalkbrenner that can rebound with the best of them. You have you have a Baylor Shireman who was the uh, the Summit League Player of the Year when he went to South Dakota State. He's got the chance to be the the Conference Player of the Year in the Big East this season. And then you throw a Trey Alexander in there, who's a legit lottery pick guy in the NBA and has one of the best mid range shots in the entire country. And then Stephen Ashworth gets added to the equation this year, the point guard from Utah State a year ago, who is now in the last six games averaging twenty and ten a night. Uh, it, it's it's pretty special. Are you ready for March Madness? Oh, I can't wait, man. I cannot wait. I just the only thing I hope is Creighton actually makes the Final Four because we 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 get to take the post game show on the road and go to the Final Four if they do. So, Mac, if you're listening, I need you to get there, buddy. <laughs> I know. You know what's crazy about his story? Uh, he's still at Creighton because you look at yeah. you look at just college athletics in general with the coaches. He's still there. He most guys well, get canned or they jump ship. Well, <laughs> you say that, but there's a. There's been a lot of uh, speculation uh, with uh, Ohio State opening up, and they came after Mac really hard seven years ago, and, and he turned him down. Um, but that's not the job that I'm concerned about. I mean, Bobby Hurley isn't doing great at Arizona State, <laughs> uh, and Mac ha- has a house out there, and him and his family spend a lot of time out there. He likes playing golf. If if that job were to open up, and, and the thing to keep in mind here is, is the guy that hired Greg McDermott, Bruce Rasmussen, who was at Creighton for over 25 years, retired two years ago. So the guy who hired him is no longer there also. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. But um, I feel confident in saying if Greg McDermott is the head coach at Creighton next year, he will finish his, his, his coaching career out in Omaha. I would not take the Ohio State or Arizona State job. I don't care how much they pay me. I I, I want to coach at a basketball school. That's what I um, want. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on Ohio State. I agree with that. But I think the situation is different for Greg McDermott in Arizona State because he has ties to the community. He has a house out there. He uh, really likes playing golf all year round. <laughs> you can't do that in Omaha. You absolutely can in Scottsdale. So I uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm with you. For me personally, I wouldn't. But if I was uh, going to be a 60-year-old on the verge of retirement that could just collect a big-time paycheck and maybe win a couple more basketball games on the way, uh, Arizona State doesn't I, seem that bad. You know what example I think of is Shaka Smart, where he's at VCU. And at the time, yeah. he was making a lot of money, over a million dollars to be the coach, and they're making deep tournament runs. Then he goes to Texas, which I think was a disaster because it's a football school. I'm sorry. Do, do, you really put that, yeah, do you really put that on Shaka, though? Yes. I mean, he didn't, he didn't really take over the best situation and – I, I don't know how open uh, welcomed he was with open arms either. That just felt like a bad marriage from the beginning. Where's he at now? Marquette? Uh, no? Yeah, he's got the number six team in the country in Milwaukee. See, that's what's changed. And I want to get your take on this, Jimmy. It's like you can make millions of dollars at these schools. You don't have to go to the top 20 programs and be successful. That's how I look at it. Yeah, I, I think – but listen, to, to do that job, to be a Division One coach – you have to have some level of narcissism, right? Like you have to believe that you can do it. So I, when we, when people talk about that, oh, I don't, I don't want to go to a football school. Oh, I don't want to go, I don't want to go to this place because they're not as committed to winning. If you, I really wonder how often actual head coaches think about that because they probably feel like I can do this. It doesn't matter what the hurdles are. I could probably pull this off as long as I get the boxes checked that I need to. And, and the other thing about Shaka. 
Like the the reason the reason I think he took that job in Austin is when he took that job, he was forty three, and he was probably thinking, "Hey, if this doesn't work out, I got a lot of runway here to get this thing yeah. back off the off the ground." Now he's making over three million dollars a year in 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 Marquette, and has already won a conference championship at his time there. Would you be the coach at FAU then? With name, image, and likeness and transfer portal, they went to the Final Four. Would you rather be in Boca Raton being the coach of FAU? Here's the thing, man. Like, Not only in FAU, but when you look at Central Florida and you look at South Florida, those are kind of like destination jobs now, right? Like, Because if you can get the money to get the players there, you don't have state taxes if you're a coach. You get to live on the beach, and you can throw a rock out of your back window and hit a four-star. Like, it's kind of a dream situation. So yes. I think those three jobs have become way more intriguing. And you can win. That's the other part. Oh, and by the way, it doesn't get south of 70 degrees ever. <laughs> I know. You're absolutely – well, no, it can. You know, you'll you'll visit me. Don't worry. I'll show you when it's bad here. All right. Okay. The, the, three, the three days a year it gets 34 degrees. You'll be able to survive. You know what's crazy also, Jimmy Allen? Didn't Nebraska – who did they upset in, in top 25? They they beat Purdue. They beat the number one team in the country at the time. They've also knocked off. They also knocked off number six Wisconsin just two weeks ago. Oh, man, this is what I'm talking about. Anyone could go down. I you know what? Yeah. I don't think I'm going to put any money on March Madness because I just I'm not going to win. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> you know what, man? I'm, I'm telling you, there's a, there's a couple teams that I really like like that have an outside shot of getting in. And if they do, they can create some some noise. I don't know if you've had any chance to watch Arkansas Little Rock this year. They're really good shooting the three. There's so many sleeper teams that have an outside chance that aren't even locks yet to get into the tournament that are in one bid leagues that if they get there, they're going to be able to create some noise. And even here here locally, uh, UNO Omaha in the Summit League, they're third in the Summit League right now. But they got a kid named Frankie Fiddler who's who's an Omaha kid that went to Bellevue West, had an opportunity to follow Chucky Hepburn to Wisconsin and chose to stay home and play play at play at Omaha, and he's one of the top 15 scorers in the country, and they got a shot at winning the Summit League tournament. And if they do, I think they can catch some people sleeping too. There's so many good mid-majors this year that I think the FAUs, the St. Peter's of the world, are going to become more common than, 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 than your traditional every three-year Cinderella. Okay, who's the best player in college basketball this year then? Oh, it's, it's not Zach Eady. <laughs> I, no. I don't care what anybody says. It's definitely not Zach Eady. Um, uh, you know, you summed it up. Yeah. This, this, this may surprise some people. Um, but I really feel when you look at the job that, that Kim English has done out at Providence and, and you look at what Devin Carter is doing, he's going to be the biggest player of the year. He might be the best player in college basketball. And he's doing it without his second best player being around. He just dropped 31 the other night against DePaul, which, Mark, you and I can go out and get 31 against DePaul. But he's, he's doing it against uh, the the upper echelon uh, of the Big East, too. He might be the best player in college basketball. See, I ask that because who's the number one pick in the NBA draft? I have no idea. I, I My whole life, I could tell you by February – Who's the guy? And last year we knew it was Wembenyama right away. Yeah, of course. But now uh, you notice it's not going to be Bronny James now. So who do you oh, take? No. <laughs> Definitely not. I mean, there's there's that uh, uh, Rasantra kid for, from Washington. I think he's probably the top prospect. Uh, there's the one kid from Serbia. I can't remember his name. But you also, you've got so many outside, like – 
foreign players. Uh, there's a kid from France that's projected as as a top five pick because he's like a seven one center. Um, I don't know, like Cody Williams, the uh, the guard from Colorado. Uh, he might be a guy that gets discussed. I, I, I think he's. I I wouldn't personally take him, but I know a lot of people are really high on his upside, and that's that's more what the NBA draft has become. It's not about who's the best player; it's who do you think you could develop into the best player. And I don't I don't know I. There's about six or seven guys listed in, in the top ten on a lot of mock boards that I'm like, that's a first rounder. <laughs> I know. I, look, I'm you just, know, I, I'm just so happy the Magic got Paulo Bancaro at that time. In hindsight, hey, they're they're playing some good basketball right now, man. I, well, you when you tank for ten straight years, you finally hit in the lottery. Mark, you forget that tanking is supposed to be intentional. <laughs> <laughs> I love the tanking. I love it. Uh, we're here with Jimmy Allen with 1620, the zone there in Omaha. Let's go to college football. <clears throat> we debated oh. this all day yesterday, but I want to get your thoughts. If you were a college athlete, would you take the $600 and the free copy of the game to be an NCAA 25? So before I answer that, I have to let you know, because I'm assuming you don't follow me religiously on Twitter. Uh, I've had some takes about this for a long time. I'm still not sold that this game is going to come out. I, I still think there's going to be so many legal hurdles with the question that you just asked me that it's going to cause so many problems that they may be forced to keep pushing this thing back. I know the promotional videos have come out. We've seen logos. All the schools are in. It just feels like there's so much red tape now. I don't know if EA Sports I, wants to handle the backlash after everything is said and done, and they may keep moving it back. All with right. that being said, with that being said, Give me the 600. Give me the video game. I'm in. <laughs> do you do you want a physical or digital copy of the game? Oh, I want a physical. And, like, right. put my face on it while you're at it. I'm sure it's not that hard for you to do. Here is yeah, why, <laughs> here's why your conspiracy theory is valid. We have not seen any gameplay footage yet, which is weird. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, you've seen, you've seen mock-up non-existent people getting put in uniforms. Keep in mind, this game has been pushed back six times already. I, I think they're going to just put their nose in the grindstone and eat the crow if lawsuits come. But ask the NCAA how that's, or yeah, how that, how that's going. So you're betting on, if you're EA Sports, who hasn't been relevant in a couple of years, but that's another story. So Because this game hasn't been out. Yeah, I know. You're going to pay these players, it could be somewhere around $6 million per year. So do you believe that this game will make a profit, that people will buy it? Well, and, and the other thing is, what about the kids that don't take it and are just waiting to see something that remotely looks like their name, image, and likeness on the video game and file a lawsuit? That's what Sam Keller and those guys did. I mean, they just they said, you can't argue that this is us. You, you can't make I, – I remember specifically in, in, in the 09 video game that was uh, – uh, one player for Nebraska who was just completely different, and that was really it. And that's really what the lawsuit led to. It was like, you can't just change one person and tell the other 80 of us that doesn't, like, this isn't us. And that that's what how it came about. So you may have a contingency, and I don't know if you know this, but lawyers are usually pretty smart, that are sitting around waiting for this thing to come out and say, let's go get these guys. Do they not understand that usually what we would do in years past is wait for that one guy who's crazy enough to edit everyone's name, and then we would download yep. that roster update? Why don't we just do that as a loophole? That's what's going to happen, and you're going to have a player who decided not to take their $600, and they're probably going to get lawsuit happy.
I think it'd be funnier if they just repackage NCAA 14 and say it's the new game. How about that? <laughs> uh, I would take 07. I think 07 was the best the best game of all of them. Uh, the one with Reggie Bush on the cover. That was my personal favorite. Does the value of 14 with Denard Robinson on the cover, which is usually valued at over $100, does that go down in oh. value? It, you can pick it up for six bucks at your local Walmart tomorrow as soon as this game comes out. Um, 07 is your favorite game. All right, I got to think here. Yep. When I was a kid, I liked the Sega Genesis one, College Football USA 96 and 97. I yeah. love those. Yeah, absolutely. I remember that. Uh, that had uh, um, who, uh, the quarterback from Notre Dame on the cover, right? No, no. From your neck of the woods, Jimmy Allen. Tommy, oh, Frazier. Tommy Frazier. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So, maybe I might be thinking of 98 because I, I remember, man, I can't remember the guy's name, but I, I remember there was right. a Sega Genesis game with a, with, a, with a Notre Dame quarterback on the front of it. 98 is, I discussed this yesterday, Danny Werfel is on the cover. That's right. Is he? Okay. From the Gators. Hey, people forget. People forget that uh, Tommy Frazier and that Nebraska football team sh- shut down oh. Danny Warfel and that Florida offense, and the next year he won the Heisman and, and the national title. <laughs> this is true. And the trivia question is, Tommy Frazier never won the Heisman. Correct. He had the blood clots in his knee. Yeah, this is very and key. All, all, this, all this ties back to your neck of the woods. Tommy Frazier's a Braden, Florida guy. Yeah, Tommy's awesome. And what's funny Good about too. this story I have told Danny Werfel, Eddie George, and Tommy Frazier that I used to play them in the Sega Genesis game, and they all give me the eye roll. It's it's my favorite part. They call part. you a dork? <laughs> they call you a dork? <laughs> they really do. What were your thoughts then on, we're going to a 12-team playoff, Jimmy Allen, and you do a great job covering college football, but now they want 14. What's your thoughts? My thought is, why, why don't we just go to 14 to start the thing off, and why did we have to get to 12 to have this discussion to just do it for two years? That's what confuses me. Like, I don't, like what are we doing here? If, we, if, if the goal is 14, like, do we really need to test this out? Division II football has been doing it for 50 years. Like, just give us the 14-team playoff. I, the only reason that I am okay with expanding to 14 is that they allow more home games on campus during playoff games because that's going to be the coolest part about this. I mean, when you think about – the, the cathedrals to college football, whether it be South Bend, Indiana, Lincoln, Nebraska, the Coliseum out in L.A., the Horseshoe in Columbus. Think about those atmospheres, the eight days a year that they get a home game. Now make it matter for a national championship and think about how ruckus those crowds are going to be. That's the only reason that, that I think there's a reason to do that. My fear is the reason they're moving from 12 to 14 is to take that away and make it more neutral site games. I hope that's not the case. So here's the question. So you're going to still have championship Saturday, first Saturday in December. Do we yeah. do we take a couple weeks off and then start the playoff by Christmas? How's this going to work? Well, here here's the fear I have is if you're number one Florida State and you've got an unblemished season, you're twelve and zero, you're going to be a top fourteen team anyway. You have an automatic bid. Yeah, you'd probably like that home field advantage, but if you feel like you're the best team in the country and it doesn't matter, we start seeing guys sit out of of, of the championship games. That's a world I don't know if I I, I want to be a part of that. That's that's going to be because I mean we see it in the NFL, right? Like look at the 49ers in the, in the in the Rams game at the end of the season this year, where you know the Rams still had to play for seeding, but they still didn't start Matthew Stafford or Aaron Donald, and they just buckled down for for the playoff and. 
I think that's going to become – I mean, we already see it now with guys opting out of bowl games for the NFL, right? And and if the situation where if you feel like you have the best team and maybe you're playing a, a team that you think you can beat with a couple second-string guys, you don't see the best players out on the field for championship scenarios. Should they change early signing day? Because they discussed this as well. Should that be earlier in December? Yes. Yes. They They need to have one signing day. They need to make it. They like here. Here's the one problem you're going to have, though, is it's around. It, it's based around enrollment at the university, which it obviously has to be. So I don't know how much you can change of that. Um, but I think the only way to make it only in December is if everybody enrolls early, though, and that's obviously going to cause an issue. Can we just go back to February? Can we just do that? Come on, man. No. No, it has been so anticlimactic on signing day around here in Lincoln, and we need that. And <laughs> what I so mean I, is, I, okay. everybody else can. No, no, I'm saying, look, get rid of the early signing period and just go I, back I to know it. What you're, I, I know what you're saying, but uh, that early signing period allows us to get people up here in warmer weather <laughs> and trick them into letting them think it doesn't snow. So, <laughs> no, we need it. <laughs> you too. I I respect your answer. I really do. <laughs> I just, I just feel like, and I don't think I'm alone in saying this, Jimmy Allen. I think we need a commissioner for this. I think we need to corral everyone and get this on the right track. Uh, Mark, I'm more about reading the tea leaves and not listening to what people say and seeing what they do. And I don't think it's a coincidence that when you hear a team is interested in conference realignment and leaving the conference they're in, that they're considering both the Big Ten and the SEC. It's either one or the other. So that tells me that there's probably a handshake agreement, that there's a line drawn down the middle of the country. Big Ten take the north, SEC take the south. We'll divide and conquer, and then we'll just put a governing body over this that doesn't have four letters in it. And you can't convince me that's not what's going on behind the scenes now. And I think that all that yellow brick road leads to a czar at the end of the at the end of the walk path that has control over everything. I'm very upset by like the Big Ten, SEC, where we want four teams that automatically qualify. It's like, and I get, look. Yeah, that's stupid. I get I, I get why they're doing it. I get it. But you know what? I know I'm going to sound like cliche football coach in a Disney movie. Um, it's played on the field, not at your yep. little meeting that you're going to have at some country club. You played on the field, buddy, and it gets me very angry, Jimmy. Well, this is how rich people argue <laughs> with, yeah. with, with common people. <laughs> Common people's money and time. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And honestly, I think all this is, you know, it, it feels like all of this is, is to, uh, there's this little school in South Bend, Indiana, that nobody has secured their signature in their conference yet. And it really feels like it's a ploy to get Notre Dame and whoever's boat. Uh, and that may go by the wayside, but it, it's, people want, people want that Notre Dame money and they want, and they want that brand on their television contract. Bonus, and I know you're a busy, man. I appreciate coming on. I hope my voice is not on commercials anymore for the Creighton broadcast. I hope. Uh, so the, uh, the the institution in which you used to work for does not host the Creighton games anymore, so you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I swear. Okay, for our listeners, I used to produce the broadcast and do stuff behind yep. the scenes and I do like pre and post game for Creighton, and it was one of my my favorite moments in my broadcast career covering those teams when 
you know, they had Doug McDermott and they made those tournament runs and I mean it was just awesome time. I, I don't remember you doing the post and pregame, but I guess that makes me Mark Moses now because that's what I do over. Oh, dude, that's awesome, days. dude. So, that is I cool. Guess I, just, I guess I just wanted to be Mark Moses when I grew up. No, you don't want that. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't. Um, but it's funny, Jimmy. We're like, I think a couple years later, and I'm in Florida, and someone's like, "Hey, I still heard you on the air." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And I was on some of the commercials still. It just made me laugh. You'll you'll appreciate this because he's a Chicago guy also, but uh, my buddy George Norwood who's uh, now back in in, in, uh, in God's country out there in Illinois, is uh, we uh, we have a uh, a commercial that runs. He hasn't worked there in three years. His voice is still on it. <laughs> it's awesome. So I text him every time. I'm like, I'm hoping you're getting royalties for this, dude. Oh, man. <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, Jimmy Allen, thank you so much for coming on, and good luck moving forward with, with Creighton and the tournament, all right? Yeah, brother. I'll be down here next to the woods in July. Let's meet up and grab dinner.